I'm Italian. I know a lot of people who have whacked other Italians. Celebrating a decade in the making. So why the fuck are these in-your-head greaseball hicks? I'm the internet icon, handsome Jackie Jones, along with my right hand. The bag of fried dicks, you fucking piece of shit asshole. Wrestling-news.com presents... And you know me and Anthony, we can be son of a bitches, uh, but we can also be fair and decent. That goofy f- Jason Powell. <laughs> hey, Jason, you thirsty? The Ballad of Don Tony. Monday Night Mayhem and all your other f- it's out there. Your home of wrestling radio, the award-winning Monday Night Mayhem Radio Network. Myself, the Big Macho, and my partner... So if you're not happy, then you have two choices. Because I'm gonna come at you so hard you're not gonna know what fucking hit you. And I don't give two shit what you write about me, what you say about me, what you blame about me, you stupid piece of monkey shit. You're a stupid fucking moron. You can kiss my nuts. Or number two, go fuck yourselves. The mass man. Kevin Cass. Anthony Missionary Thomas, Joey Knows, and of course, Don Tom. Uh, God. Are you there? Sun is shining, and you're listening to Next up, some smooth jazz on your drive to unemployment. What the I know it's mean to say you're green, but you gots to leave WWE. You're not fit to be the shit, so stay at home and make my grits. <laughs> That's the first verse. If anybody's looking for a new co-host for any radio <laughs> show, I'm available. Good evening, wrestling fans, entertainment fans, and the Anthony of wrestling-news.com. I want to thank you very much for listening tonight. Oh, how I had no idea that the wrestling world was filled with atheists. Dixie, you are forgiven. Hey, little Kermit D. Frog, I am the new GM for Raw. NXT! NXT! Yay! Get the fuck out of here. Go into the TNA Impact Zone with one of those metal detector wands, and when Hogan comes out to cut his promo and he's doing the air guitar, just turn the fucking thing on. <laughs> Since youngins do listen, some of your youngins out there do listen, I think it's a little bit too inappropriate to be using the word cut on this show. People out there, remind me in a little while the word Hindu. That's how the shows go. If you're new to the show, whatever comes to my mind, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, total non-stop Anthony That's what you got tonight Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Man do I love me some 
vintage intros made by Mish. Goddamn genius. But I will selfishly admit, we're the new ones. Mish, used to be Christmas. Open my email box. Intro. Not just an intro, but gems. And I remember getting some of these, playing them. And a few people will keep the names anonymous. I don't like it. I don't like it. Like, come on, man. This is artistic great. We got to laugh at ourselves. We got to just have fun. All this fucking serious anger. There's there's no problem with nitpicking and wanting to the best, the best form of entertainment for us is wrestling. We want the best when we watch it and follow it and put our time, money, and just, just dedication to it. Nothing wrong with complaining when it's not that good. But there's some very angry people out there. And I will get into a few of them in a moment. But Minga, come on. Stop with this anger and ranting and fucking this. And again, there's nothing wrong with doing a ranting. Express your opinion. Obviously, I do all the time. But this anger, this bitterness. Man, like I said on Twitter earlier today, get laid. I don't care if you're, and it's mostly guys that are complaining. You know, they're complaining because now there's a report going around that Charlotte was told she's going to be in the main event for WrestleMania 35. And you got to see some of these long-winded rants, whether it should be Becky, not Charlotte, should be Becky. How do you know Becky's not in it too? Or the best one, why are the women closing it out? Well, what's with, yeah, everything's got to be women. They got to force it, force it, force it, force it. Man, what happened to, let's worry about match quality instead of match order. I don't give a shit if they close out the pay-per-view. I don't give a shit if they're the first match on the card. I don't give a shit if it's halfway through. As long as it's entertaining, that's what means everything. Why? Because the match that you're looking forward to seeing is not the one that ends. Are you serious? Get laid. Like I said, there's a lot, you notice that the loudest people that complain have no mate, whether they like their M&Ms plain or with peanuts. Notice how most of them are single. I kind of think, take a step back and I say to myself, you know, could you imagine if they actually had, you know, a girlfriend or, you know, if they're, you know, gay, that they're into men? Could you imagine their significant other going on Twitter and seeing, seeing an adult ranting like this? about match orders and it. What the fuck is wrong with you? Seriously, I I wrote this early. Get laid, but please wear a condom. I don't care if it's men on women's sex, men on men's sex. Just please, there's enough of your stupidity out there. We don't need you to bear children. I don't 20, 30 years from now have to go on fucking Twitter or whatever it is and see your children acting this goddamn stupid. Please. You know, let your generation of your families end with your stupidity. My God, the stuff that I'm reading. And yes, these are opinion shows. Yes, everyone out there has a right to their opinion. Of course, we're deep, diehard wrestling fans. We are their core audience. You know, when you hear Baron Corbin and others do interviews and they say, oh, social media is just a very tiny percentage of the WWE universe and it's they're the loudest, but they're the tiniest percent. Don't you ever hear of fucking flash polls 
when they fucking talk about Trump or other polls out there, they don't fucking do a, a poll with 80 million people in it. They do it with a thousand, 5,000, 10,000, because you get a nice chunk of people. It gives you a good idea of where you're going in a particular place. When you see fucking Rotten Tomatoes or anyone else giving reviews on a movie, you don't have fucking 40 million people that saw the movie all given a rating. You might have a thousand. You might have 10,000. You may even get lucky and have a hundred thousand. All right. That's still a tiny percentage of the overall audience, but it gives you a good snapshot of what you're doing. So don't give me this shit that the internet is such a, the Twitter and the social media is such a small vocal percentage of everybody out. You don't fucking have a clue. And that, and anybody out there, I, on, I know I act like my shit don't stink. I honestly think I'm one of the most intelligent people out there because I always look at things in common sense perspective. I'll give you a good example. And I know I didn't even say, welcome to Breakfast with Blasi, December 19th, Merry Christmas, blah, 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 blah. We'll get into that after. But I'm gonna, I got to throw this out there because today about 80% of the show have no notes in front of me. I'm just going to go wherever it goes. But okay. We're going to shake it up. We did our rants Monday. A lot of people out there echoed the same thoughts that we did. And I saw the raw tapings for next week. Uh, let me ask you something. Let's just talk about the shakeup for a minute. Not going to give spoilers for next week's Raw, but you got to lie. I'll tell you who, who's fighting on these car, these matches. You have a 34, 34th Street fight. Okay, whoever wrote that is wrong. It's 34th Street Street fight, I guess would be the better way to do it. Between Elias and Bobby Lashley. You no, know, yeah, 34th Street Street fight. Because if it's 34th Street, you don't just say 34th Street Fight. So anyway, 34th Street Street Fight between Elias and Bobby Lashley. Okay? Uh, shake it up. Is that a match we've never seen before? I don't know. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable versus The Revival. Okay. It's not a normal match. But it's got that feel that you would see it on Raw sooner or later. It's not like, wow, they really shaked it up. You got Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre which pretty much was something that was intertwined way before we shaked it up. Sasha Banks, Ember Moon, and Bailey versus Dana Brooke, Alicia Fox, and Mickey James. Does that sound like anything shaking up at all? Heat Slater versus Jinder Mahal. Does that sound like it shaked up? The main fucking event next week, Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. Does that sound like things are shake, shaked up? Yes, you have Ronda Rousey versus Natty, a match that we have been talking about was going to happen. And, um, you know, I don't want to give anything away of what happens next week, but you look at those matches. Does it feel like anything sh sh was shaken up? But SmackDown, I read these Sean Saps or whatever the fuck their names are with the blue check marks. And you know, I've come to realize that just because you got a goddamn blue check mark next to yourself on Twitter doesn't mean that your fucking intelligence level is any better than any of our listeners out there or me or anyone else. You just happen to work for a fucking company or a website that because your name is out there or this is, you do this for a living, that you are fucking verified on Twitter. That doesn't mean you're a goddamn genius. And I'm reading these fucking saps pun intended and they're all in an uproar 
because Paige was removed as general manager of SmackDown. Uh, we're going to give the fan. This is what the SAP said. We're going to give the fans what they want, but we removed Paige. Uh, tell me what's wrong there. Well, nitwit, think of a goddamn storyline. She's the GM for SmackDown. She's supposed to generate results. Go look at the ratings from early this year on SmackDown to now. Some episodes recently not even getting 2 million viewers. Is that Paige's fault? No. Paige is on television between one and five minutes every week. One and five minutes every week. She is not the person really booking the match. She's playing a character on TV, and I will say it point blank. She is one of the few who has excelled in their role. She is fine what she's doing. I liked her as the GM. I have no problem with it. You go listen to any of the previous episodes since she's been SmackDown GM. I have sung the praise. I have defended her 99% of the time up until, you know, when the load was shot on the title. And, you know, you know what I'm talking about. But so I want to make it perfectly clear. I like Paige's GM. I have no problem with Paige's GM. But man, think it a fucking storyline saps. The ratings are in the toilet. So in storyline, you're going to keep the person in charge? These people sound like, and use the baseball analogy for a minute, a popular baseball manager gets fired and people are angry. Why did he get fired? Then you realize he had a losing record. If you're going to do a storyline where someone is in the role of authority that's supposed to give us the best matches we see on SmackDown and the ratings don't reflect it, and it's becoming a big news item, this is fucking a storyline. This is entertainment television, all right? She ain't losing her job because she's removed as GM. Yes, you like her on TV in that role, but unfortunately, ratings and the storyline is directed in a different way you're gonna do a storyline where you got to shake things up because ratings aren't good and fans uh, you know taking notice this and that and you leave the person in charge that's almost as stupid as them not even acknowledging brock lesnar on monday We're gonna give the people what they want but yet they decide to put the belt on someone that they negotiated a contract where the guy doesn't have to show up for a month or two at a time that ain't on Brock Lesnar. I've said it 900 times on the shows. That is WWE's fault. So please, spare me with the, we're going to give fans what they want. And then you get rid of Paige as GM. Look at the fucking storyline. It makes sense that they removed her as GM. And you know what's sad about it? These fucking saps that are all fucking thinking about you know, social justice and this, this and that, and you want to give fans what they want, but you take away things. You know, WWE's going to cave in. They, we listened. You know what's funny about that? Remember the reference I said on Monday that the fireman puts out the fire that he started? If they fucking put Paige back as GM for SmackDown, the entire time this could be done because they knew, hey, Let's remove Paige as SmackDown GM. Because she's getting such positive feedback online, the fans will be in an uproar. And then we'll put it back, and it'll look like we gave the fans what they want. Like Daniel Bryan, 
You know, re, you just revolt on Raw. What was that? Hijack Raw? Oh, hijack SmackDown. Give the fans what they want. Now, in defense, WWE did not ever expect Daniel Bryan to have the popularity that he had. But this could be an intentional move. Let's remove her. So when the fans are in an uproar, we'll put it back. And it's like, oh, we listened. Get the fuck out of here. Think I'm stupid? Think our listeners are stupid? You can see that shit a mile away. Anyway, what's up, everyone? It is December 19, 2018. You know, as I go over through the years doing these shows, I notice I'm a lot more energetic than when I used to be. I don't know why. I know I talk loud. I know that kind of pisses off some people. Nobody's forcing you to listen to this stuff. Nobody's forcing you to accept my opinions. We all agree and we all disagree. As long as we respect each other's views. But me, man, I'm going into 2019 with a smile on my face, looking forward to seeing what happens just in my personal life, in wrestling, in politics, and just the world itself. And I'm going to look at it with the glass half full, not the glass half empty. There are so many people out there that are on social media that complain and bitch and are angry. There, again, there is nothing wrong with anyone out there demanding the best. And right now, as a pro wrestling fan, we are not getting anywhere near that. All right. And this whole smoke and mirrors thing with WWE, like I said, I just gave you the matches for next week's Raw. Does that sound like things have shaken up? No, it's all smoke and mirrors. We do our show Monday, five minutes after Raw ends. We don't have the luxury like a lot of other shows out there that could sit for days, let it sink in, check out the popular opinion online with other listeners out there and fans and podcasts, see what has got the most popular you know, feedback, and then you run with that. Now, we only have five minutes to prep. And even with the pay-per-views, literally two minutes after the pay-per-view, we're up here doing a recap. And if you notice, a lot of what we say ends up being the overall consensus. Look at Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose on that pay-per-view. All right, sure, we heard the fans chanting, this is boring, this and that. But my God, the storyline, when Seth Rollins says that all of this was on him, you know, and a lot, I know a lot of people out there thought they were geniuses by immediately writing, Seth, it's not your fault. It's the storyline. It's the way WWE did dictate in this and that. Well, WWE is at fault for that because a lot of us didn't give a flying fuck about this match happening in the first place. People may forget, but we've seen Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose before. Just the characters were switched. Dean Ambrose was the babyface. Seth Rollins was the heel. So we've seen it before. You know, I've already given my explanations for well over a month now. And it's kind of funny looking back on it three or four weeks into this storyline. And I said, wow, talk about something that's underwhelming. And I got ripped apart for that. Now, all of a sudden, that's the popular opinion for, for everybody. But when Seth Rollins said that on Monday and people are immediately saying, no, 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 Seth, it's not your fault. It's a storyline. No. You know why he was saying that? Watch the match again on the pay-per-view. All right. You're supposed to have a blood feud right now. You're supposed to hate each other. Even Seth, even though Seth Rollins doesn't necessarily hate Dean Ambrose, he's more confused. Like, why would Dean take this thing? But did that look, did that match look like two guys that wanted to tear each other apart? I'm fed up with you. I can't stand you. I'm going to destroy you. 
and they're fucking doing boring wrestling moves. Come on. That's that that story was that's why Seth Rollins took so much responsibility for it. Because the story that they told in the ring was not the story that should have been told based on the storyline. They were supposed to take chicken shit and turn it into chicken salad. And what they did was they took the chicken shit and they left it out to start to stench and smell. And the fans were like, oh, keep that shit away from me. And they may have damaged that storyline pretty bad to the point where it's irreversible. Of course, you can do pull apart. You know, you'll have the fans going, this is awesome. This is awesome. And you can try to put a Band-Aid on it. But I don't know, man. They did some pretty bad damage with that feud. And again, you look at next week's Raw. Does it feel like anything was shaken up? Why? Because a fictitious character that's called the GM is no longer holding the show, given this false sense of belief that fans are dictating stuff? No, no. Now, here's another thing that I saw online. You know, WWE's doing some uh, Royal Rumble meet and greets, fan access in January. They did a pre-sale today for a lot of wrestlers. AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, Daniel Bryan, a lot of people. And Becky Lynch is, is the only one that sold out. So right away, once again, as I talked about on the last Breakfast with Blasi, people are writing it as major news. Ah! See how over she is? And please, if you're a new listener to this show, I strongly suggest you go listen to previous episodes because I have been defending the fuck out of Becky Lynch for months upon months upon months now. The discussion that Mish and I had on Breakfast Soup right when she first started feuding with Charlotte it, it, everything that we said not only ended up happening, but it was so reminiscent and I will keep throwing it out there because it rubs people the wrong way, including podcasters. But when we said that Becky Lynch needs to be the stone cold of the, the SmackDown, the Daniel Bryan, the CM Punk, you know, we explained that it's the connection with the fans, the voice of the voiceless that she's listening to her, to her fans and she's representing this, this and that. And Steve Austin didn't go out there and cut promos and saying that he loved the fans or anything like that, but the fans wanted to see him beat the fuck out of authority and he obliged. Daniel Bryan had that direct connection with the fans that he was doing it for them. All right, CM Punk was the voice of the voiceless. So she had to be one of those. And right away, what was the feedback that we got? She don't wrestle like Steve Austin. She she doesn't have a character like that. She's not a stone cold. She's not acting stone cold. What the fuck are you talking about? Kind of reminds me. When Roman Reigns first came up, about a year in, started to get a little bit of buzz, a lot of it negative, and I said, they're going to give him the John Cena push. You don't wrestle like John Cena. You don't look like John Cena. People were smart enough to figure out what I was talking about. I think you look back and you would agree with that. So, you know, you see what's going on now. And I kind of chuckle and I'm like, you know, I love being one step ahead of everybody else out there. But last, and I said all this because, again, I am a big supporter of Becky Lynch. I will admit she first came in mumble mouth. Couldn't understand a fucking word she was saying. 
All right. She, if you listen to her talking now compared to then, slight changes, not big, but you can understand her now. I love her character. I love what she's doing. And, you know, I I love the fact that Mish and I were talking about this way before it became a popular discussion. And I'm glad WWE allowed it to become organic. Something we've talked about in the past. So now with that set, with me being a supporter of Becky Lynch, the last breakfast with Blasi reminded everyone that it was the pre-sale that sold out for Becky Lynch a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if anybody ever took notice of it, but when they actually put the regular tickets on sale, all right, there were reports going into TLC that tickets were still available for Becky Lynch. See, my point is, is that when people today are running with the fact that Becky Lynch was the only person to sell out for the pre-show for, I guess, Phoenix or whatever Royal Rumble the fan access is coming to, you don't know how many tickets were put out for pre-sale. They could have put out 100 tickets for Daniel Bryan and 10 for Becky Lynch. All right, that might be an over-exaggerated number, but you do not know how many tickets were put on pre-sale. So when they see, WWE's not stupid. They're a billion-dollar company. They have writers upon writers. They have analysts. They have people that are scoping out social media and what the overall consensus is. And again, a lot of you out there and some people in the business like Baron Corbin and others think that, you know, the very vocal social media is a tiny percentage of the overall WWE universe, not realizing that that's a pretty damn big, good, accurate flash poll. Okay. WWE has employees that are watching these things very closely and they see what wrestling websites and podcasts and bloggers and fans focus on. Becky Lynch is the one. So you don't think that WWE would tell, you know, the, the venue, uh, we're going to release 20 tickets for Becky Lynch for the VIP presale. But, you know, Finn Balor, we're going to release 80. Daniel Bryan, we're going to release 65. AJ Styles, we're going to release 50. All right? You don't think that they could make the number very, very small for Becky Lynch to give that perception that she sold out in wrecking time quicker than anybody else? Again, remember two weeks ago, all those stories about her selling out. And as of this past weekend... There were reports all over the net. To look at my social media, my Twitter, there was links and everything that there were tickets still available to meet Becky Lynch for the fan access. What does that tell you? Did you notice anybody reporting it? No. These were regular fans that took notice of that. So people today running with this Becky Lynch thing, selling out, I'm not trying to jinx her. I, If I'm entertained, that's the number one thing. So I'm happy that she's got this momentum. But again, you got to look at it in perspective as well. She's not selling out arenas. It's not her fault. She is the most popular woman on the WWE roster right now amongst the hardcore wrestling fans. That's the best way I could put it. Because when you hear SmackDown going under 2 million, no, she's not like stars from yesteryear that would actually watch because they have one favorite person that they wanted to tune into more than anything else. There were tons of people back then that tune in because they wanted to see this person or this person, this person. She doesn't have that. She may in the future. Right now, she is part of the overall SmackDown roster. So yes, amongst hardcore wrestling fans that are still tuning in, 
She is the most popular woman on the roster, period. There's no other way to put it. But until you start seeing actual, you know, complete numbers, don't give me this, oh, the pre-sale sold out in 10 minutes, 10 seconds. You don't know how many tickets were actually released to the public. So now, for those on social media, I said earlier that, remember this date, this is only the third or fourth time in 21 years that I actually will admit to a mistake. And I honestly apologize. I know some of you out there will try to turn it into a racial profiling thing. That is not the case at all. But I am going to admit right now that I made a very stupid mistake. And unfortunately, and I'm going to be a dick about it. None of you out there corrected me over the last month or two. And neither did any of my co-hosts. But first, shout out to John Krauser, good friend of the family, loyal patron, loyal supporter of the show. He is actually performing stand-up at Second City in Chicago. Anybody out there that knows anything about comedy, all right, you know Second City and how legendary that place is. All right, I always bring up one of my most prized autographs that I had in my collection back in the day that I ended up selling regrettably was a John Belushi autograph Second City. He wrote Second City because he had actually performed there. John Belushi was one of my favorites, man. He died, I think, March 6, 1982. I'll never, ever forget leaving my house, walking three blocks as a kid. I'm not even a fucking teenager yet. Walking to the store, buying every version of the newspaper when he died. And I still remember the, the Daily News because I still got it stored away in my newspaper collection. Belushi dies at 33 fucking guy was you like not a god to me growing up but man did i fucking love his work as a kid i don't know why i don't know why but so to hear john krauser hearing that he's going to perform stand-up friday if you live in the chicago area you should seriously consider going judy's beat beat lounge chicago illinois 13 dollars for tickets 11 dollars for college students i forget who who it, it, it ends up uh, they it could pay seven dollars. There's there's another thing with like seven dollar tickets, but you know our listeners they're not that cheap. Eleven dollars, thirteen dollars is not a bad way to go. If you want some more information, go to secondcity.com and look at the uh, laugh minute shopping section, and you'll see it. So I just wish him nothing but the best. Definitely fucking knock it out of the park this weekend. And I also want to shout out to Stell. And you know what? Kudos to Stu and everybody else who heard it. And some of the people out there that live overseas that are really into soccer. I plugged his soccer podcast Monday. It's called Shoot the Defense. Defense is spelled with a C at the end, not an S. He's got a podcast by soccer fans, for soccer fans. Stell is the same gentleman that I have talked about in the past who worked with NBC Sports and gave us all that exclusive info regarding Abu Dhabi and um, Saudi Arabia and a lot of the sports stuff that's going on, even how it's influencing the United States. I love shit like that. You know, we don't fucking run to report online. Oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> I remember... A lot of people don't know this. I remember going back to my hotline days and I had some corny ass names for hotline. I mean, everybody always remembers the Black Hearts Sports Entertainment Hotline. They remember, you know, me doing my solo hotline reports. On Patreon, there's some vintage ones posted. I'm going to add some more shortly. 
just trying to add some bass and encode it because at the time the audio was strictly telephone. It was very primitive going back to 1999 and 2000. But the one thing that I always stuck with that, and we even joked, there's even an intro that Mish made for early episodes, I think in a minority report. I always said, I don't want to be first. I want to be right. And one of the hotline titles that I had back at, back in the day I will admit it only lasted the name for about six months and I'm kind of embarrassed and some hardcore longtime listeners will remember it, but I used to call my wrestling hotline back in the late nineties, the G spot. And my catchphrase was you're listening to the G spot wrestling hotline because when it comes to reporting accurate news, we hit the G spot every time. (laughs) It was just, I thought it sounded so great at the time, but man, thank God I didn't know Mish because Mish probably would have come up with some intros for that. And man, I would have been fucking embarrassed having G-Spot intros from back in the day. But even going back to the late 90s, my moniker always was, we don't want to be first, we want to be right. And, you know, one day soon I'll play that that retro intro for Minority Report. The reason why I haven't played it more is because, you know, you could see how the PC world has changed because at the very end of that intro, you know, I say, we don't want to be first. We want to be right. That was our motto. And Kev was joking and he said at the very end, oh, I thought our motto was 15 ain't that young. Now look, he he was joking, but you throw a comment like that these days, you know, it becomes a little toxic. So I try not to, you know, really go there with that stuff. Hell, look at the intro that we did today for just a little retro flashback. I got to now censor some words. Number one, because I wouldn't dare say them now. It's just not in my DNA. But, you know, you got to be a you know a little bit more sensitive to people these days. So best of luck to John. And I don't want to say best of luck to Stella because this podcast has been around for a while, but uh, definitely kicking ass. So shout out to our new and returning patrons, M. Hayes, uh, Tim O., Shout out to them. Also as well, Esteban Pereira. Who else? Rodolfo Aguirre. And I know I didn't shout them out Monday because they just subscribed yesterday and today. Shout out to Daniel and the Drew Yari show. And uh, very cool to see some of those familiar names returning. We'll get into more plugs in a little bit. All right. Here's where I want to apologize. All right. A lot of people wanted my thoughts on Mustafa Ali getting brought up to the main roster. No longer a part of 205 Live. Um, first off, I am looking forward to seeing him feud Rey Mysterio. Everybody's talking about Mustafa Ali and Daniel Bryan. I kind of look at it more with Jeff Hardy and Rey Mysterio. I'm just surprised that I have hardly read anybody bring those up. Right? What do I think about Mustafa Ali? You must be a new listener because I have sung the praise for Mustafa Ali in the past quite a bit. I'm very happy for the, for the guy, I don't want to say kid. He's not a kid. Um, is he going to go to world title status? I doubt it. Just the trend of how WWE has handled certain people, I just don't see it that way. But I will admit, I made a huge fucking mistake today. Uh, I've been making it for the last two months, and I caught myself today because Mustafa Ali being brought up to the main roster I wanted to go take a look at his win-loss record in recent months. And I remember over the last two, two and a half months, I was talking about how, 
You know, WWE has totally misused him. I mean, anyone out there, go back and look at his fucking win-loss record. I can't tell you, well over a year, he didn't win a fucking match and this, this, and that. And I, I even said with some awards that we did earlier this year, we talked about the most misused wrestler. And I had said uh, recently that when we did those awards, I said Mustafa Ali. Then I go and I look at his record earlier today and I'm seeing win, 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 win. And I'm looking at 2017 and I see win, win, win. So I'm having like a brain crap and I'm saying to myself, the fuck was I talking about earlier this year? How could I say that he went over a year not winning and he's most misused, but I'm looking at his record and it's win, win, win. Then I fucking realized it. Earlier this year, when I was talking about the most misused person on the WWE roster that was not getting a lot of recognition, I didn't say Mustafa Ali. I was talking about Aria Davari. And, you know, yeah, I, I hoped, wished somebody would have caught on to that the last two, two and a half months. And some of you out there may have and said, you know, let DT fucking swim in his shit for a little while. I don't blame you. And neither Mish or Kev picked up on it either because I talked about it on Breakfast Soup and DTKC. It's my mistake. And when I was saying for the last two or three months, you know, that Mustafa Ali is one of the most misused person on the roster, it's not that I thought that he should be on the main roster. I fucked up. I somehow mixed up Mustafa Ali with Arya Davari. And that's why I say, I don't want anybody to turn around and say, hmm, Davari, hmm, Ali, what do they have in common? Other than they both have testicles and they both wrestle on 205 Live, there's something else that in common. So what, do we all look a lot? You know what I mean? I don't want anybody going there. I just, I made a fucking mistake. But you know what? I'm kind of glad I made that mistake because I don't think we would have brought this up on this show. But here's a little tidbit that you might find a little fascinating that I actually found, you know, just because I was trying to figure out what the hell was I talking about when I when I was bringing up, you know, this wrestler being misused. Arya Davare won his match. This uh, last tapings for 205 Live, I think it was, what, December 4th, I think it was. Do you know that's his first win in over a year? Arya Davari, before his win, like a week or two ago, he was 0 and 40 on the WWE 205 Live roster. I think the last time he had won a match was in April or June of 2017. So that's who I was talking about earlier this year. Somehow I started thinking of Mustafa Ali, but you know what's sad about it too? And by, by all means, do a Google search, look up Aria Davari, just type in Davari win-loss record. You'll see his win-loss for the last 14, 15 months. The person that he defeated two weeks ago, I don't even fucking remember his name, but I clicked on his profile because I wanted to see how many matches he had in WWE. One! against Davari. So just think about that. Talk about misused. Davari got his first win two weeks ago in over 13, 14 months. And who did they have him defeat? Some fucking guy that we never even heard of before. He 
is still the most misused person on the WWE roster. It's not fucking, uh, uh, what the hell's his name? Um, the Kurt Hawkins. No, it's not him. To me, it's Ari Davari. How the fuck do you have 205 Live and have this man go over a year and not win a match? I could be wrong, but I looked up on three different websites because I don't always just take one website and go, hey, I got my research. I always try to double and triple check things and... All three places that I researched, I didn't find one win in 14 months. You couldn't put him in a tag match, a six-man tag, some type of bullshit match, and let him be one of the winners in the match. This guy has zero wins until two weeks ago, over 40-some-odd matches. How terrible is that? So I want to apologize that I mixed up the two, but... I know for some of you out there that legitimately did not understand why I kept saying Mustafa Ali, I figured it out. I was talking about Davari. So I, I just wanted to throw it. But my opinion on him, Mustafa Ali being brought up on the main roster, he's got a really good story behind him. And I do believe WWE is going to do these a little profile thing on SmackDown. Uh, someone that I had talked to yesterday told me that, yeah, they're going to really personalize Mustafa Ali, and they need to. And I think it'll be a nice story to get behind. And I think he's going to do very well. All right. Will he main event, you know, a SmackDown event? Yeah, maybe on TV. But, you know, that's baby steps. That's my opinion. Baby steps. I do know that Mustafa Ali never in a million years ever expected to get into this position now if you talk to him or anyone else that is wrestling in wwe whether it's nxt or wherever else they'll turn around and say to you oh no 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 my goal is always to get to the main roster that was always my goal um by the way davari beat some guy by the name of clay roberts never fucking heard of him before and it was december 4th clay roberts his first win in 40 some odd matches clay roberts fuck out of here anyway um, any wrestler that is coming up in the WWE or even wrestles for a different promotion, they'll always say, no, no, my goal is always to make it to WWE in the main roster. So don't expect anything else to be said. But I think if you look at the politics and how many other people are on the food chain that much higher, I don't think Mustafa Ali in his right mind thought that he would ever be singled out at getting this promotion. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you would add six guys, 10 guys all get brought up to the main roster, you know, look, he's had matches on Raw before. It's not like this is his first match on the main roster. It's just 205 Live was always featured on Raw. So he's not being brought up for the first time. He's just officially out of 205 Live. And who knows? Maybe they will put him back on 205 Live once in a while to have a match. Personally, I don't think it's necessary, but... You know, I'm very happy for the guy. I wish him well, and I hope uh, WWE really does take notice because, you know, the Rey Mysterios, the Jeff Hardys, you keep falling back on them, but you have to start building up some of these smaller guys, more, you know, more of the high-flying style because you take away those guys on Raw uh, and SmackDown that have been around for 10, 15, even 20 years in some cases. You know, the the if you look at the level of uh you know the as far as the ladder or the food chain 
there's nobody in the middle right now that's been around five years, 10 years. And yeah, I mean, Mustafa Ali and others have been wrestling for a while in some cases, some of them. But I'm talking about being on WWE TV for 10 years. Yes, there are a few, but there's not as many as there needs to be. So anyway, what else is going on? Oh, a lot of people wanted uh, to, they were curious to see what the rating was going to be for Raw on Monday. Now, I honestly, for the life of me, don't understand how anybody out there could make a big deal that Raw went up about 300,000 viewers from the week before. The week before was the lowest rated Raw in the history of Raw. You're talking over 25 years, all right? So there's only two ways this could have gone this past week. Either the rating could have been another record low or it could have went up a little bit. I think anybody that has a half a brain would have put two and two together and said, you know what, Vince McMahon is being on Raw is going to generate some curiosity. So having 300,000 more viewers tune in this week because of Vince and the curiosity factor, let me tell you something. For websites that are saying that it rebounded, no, that's a scary fucking thought. That is scary what happened on Monday, and I'll explain why. But before that, let me shout out some of our associate producers, and I want to shout out a couple of winners, not just a couple. I felt like I honestly felt like Santa Claus today. I gave away, um, I think, almost a dozen prizes on Patreon between the giveaways we did last week for Breakfast Soup, the Pay-Per-View Predictions Contest, and the Holiday Points Contest. I basically contacted all the winners today and all hooked them up with their prizes, so I want to definitely acknowledge them as well. But first, our uh, associate producers, Tygsy Bowers, Stell once again, Rob from Nashville, John Krauser, Tony, Michael Rhino, Bad Boy Nico, Paul Convoy, Daniel Williams, Danes Valdez, Justin Rebstock, John Miller, Mark Redman, John Steck, John Coffey, Andrew914, Zach Spunamori, Jerry Stewart, Magic Johnson, Paul Woods Jr., Rich Maharg, Adam Demoy, Diogo Nobre, Johnny Marin, Michael Westfall, Brandon Foley, Chuck Lentz, Vilnius Havoc, Courtney Summers, Billy Taylor, Nickel Time, Hassan Al-Hashmi, Brent Webster, Aaron Walker, Aaron Kloss, Out in the Hia, Anthony Smith, James Grusom, Mark Israel, Jeffrey Collins, Tim Everhart, Bob O'Mac, Lucio Dalban, Mandingo Chamberlain, Josh Wilson, Jason Pratt, Scott Woodford, CJ Uihara, Crestman, James Deal, Donald J. Donald J. Trump, Russell Zavala, Murr Coombs Jr., Douglas McKay, Anna, I don't give a shit about your kids, Banana, Julian LeBlanc, Brandon Rice, Carl Buteau, a.k.a. Cheese and Rice, Spider Lewin, Metaphor Isaac Fox, Rob McCabe, Brian Byrne, Daniel Warren, Michael Cuomo. Thank you, as always, my friends, all of our patrons. They are truly the stockholders of what we do, and they are the reason why this show remains free for everyone, and they are very influential as far as what is discussed on these shows. So big shout-out to all of them. And seriously, I know we hype it up, but believe me, you know, as much as you may not like my style or may not like, you know, just my attitude or cockiness or always, you know, it, trying to come off that I get everything right. Do you honestly think that we would offer nothing but balls out on Patreon? So if you've never checked it out, give it a shot. Five bucks. You get breakfast soup. Mission I have done so far almost 70 episodes. 
Kevin Castle has his solo show, Castle Chronicles. He's doing a new episode tomorrow night, which will be Thursday the 20th. He's got about 60 episodes there as well. We have the pay-per-view contest, other giveaways. We just, early releases of other shows, ad-free episodes of this show and DTKC. There's so much going on over there. Five bucks gets you everything. And you'd be surprised if a bunch of people signed up, even for one month, you'd be surprised how much that helps us with bills. And we're not going to be here to beg. I promise you, it'll never get to that point. I'd rather fucking just close the shows and go into hiding and discontinue all my social media so I don't have people saying, what happened, what happened, what happened? I'm praying for you, thinking about you, what happened? You fucking asshole, what happened, what happened, what happened? I would just fucking just give it up completely. See, the ball's out of nothing. And yeah, I mean, I have a lot of energy on these shows, but you know, look, I'm having fun, man. I'm dead serious. I'm not trying to be no social justice warrior. I'm not doing this for hits, but I will swear to you. I am so ecstatic with, you know, just the reception from all of you out there. But it's been fun. This year was fun. I'm not going to lie. This Week in Wrestling History is by far the hardest show I've ever had to put together. Because I've never done so much. I don't even, I joked around with somebody last week. I go back to grammar school and high school. I don't even think I even studied a week, you know, this much like I'm researching and finding stuff. And I'm, I know I hype up these episodes, but episode 51 that's going to be coming out this weekend, there are some fucking gems that I say to myself, no wonder why these things aren't put out. The George W. Bush appearance on Raw from like 12 years ago. That was the anniversary yesterday. And nobody said a people. It's things like that that I love uncovering. Because you go back there and listen to that shit. You would never, ever, ever dare fucking try that on, on regular TV this day and age. Almost saying the N-words a couple of times. Saying Condoleezza Rice, she's my bitch. <laughs> it was fucked up. You go back that. And they did. he did the skit with Crime Time on top of it. And, you know, it's just, it's wild. But, man, was that show hard. And it's, it's still fucking hard. It's not over yet. But, man, I'm looking to 2019 as being a fucking awesome year. I'm... Still waiting to get on Pandora. It's supposed to happen any moment. Believe me, I'm checking the Pandora app at least a dozen times a day. The people behind the scenes are insisted to me. Yo, listen, de Blasi, they don't say DT. They're like, you know, Anthony, um, you, we're putting almost a thousand episodes on Pandora. Takes a little time. Be patient. It'll be up there. Then January, we're going to be somewhere else as well. I can't give it away yet, but I will tell you right now, uh, you go on that network that only has a couple of letters in its name and it's not XM. You go look up wrestling podcasts. I think there's only three and every single person that's on there are either hall of famers in some capacity, or they are very well-known major stars of yesteryear. So to actually have them approach me and say, Hey, we want your content on our network. It was pretty sweet, man. And, it's, and honestly, if it wasn't for all of you out there, this shit would not be happening. I'm not just saying that. I'm not pandering. So anyway, let me get back to uh, what I was saying about the reigning Monday and with Vince. You know, if I'm 200 pounds overweight, or better yet, I'm 100 pounds overweight, and I'm gaining weight gradually. And, you know, in recent months, I gained another 40 or 50 pounds 
just because I lost two this past week doesn't mean that, oh my God, there's progress, this is and that. I may have just not had as much salt and didn't retain as much water. All right, on Monday, let's go to Monday before. Last Monday was the lowest rated Raw in history. Seth Rollins complaining about his match with Dean Ambrose at TLC. How's about Seth Rollins main eventing for the lowest rated Raw in history? I'd be more upset about that than anything else, that he couldn't do anything to pique people's interest to stay tuned on Monday Night Raw because a number of viewers from hour one to hour three was piss poor pathetic. And yes, I blame a lot of them, Baron Corbin. Who the fuck wants to see? Think about that. Baron Corbin versus, and, and think about this, I, and I know we talked about it early, but I'm going to say a specific thing that nobody has said this week. I haven't seen one podcaster say this specific thing. Of course, you know, this, we're going to shake things up is bullshit. You've seen it. Now you know the matches next week. How the fuck do you do a storyline of we're going to shake things up and next week's Raw main event is the same main event for the lowest rated Raw in the history. Would you dare fucking do the same thing again? That's madness. Now don't give me, well, it's Christmas Eve. There's going to be a lot less viewers anyway. So, no, man. You got Hulu. You got the internet, which is close to the same thing. You got YouTube. You got streaming. Not everybody has to watch live, but you could watch it during the week as well. Don't give me this, well, it's a holiday, so we'll just put, you know, that's that match back on. You're doing a fucking storyline. You're shaking things up. If I own a restaurant or I buy a restaurant and it's fucking doing drizzly fucking no business at all, and I got a particular menu and this particular item on the menu, nobody fucking orders. And I say, I'm going to shake it up. And I start changing the menu around, calling things different names, adding ingredients, taking away ingredients, adding new products, new specials. And then, you know, grand reopening and everybody comes in and two weeks later, I give the same fucking menu that I did when everything was, come on. Oh, well, yeah, get the fuck out of here. It's ridiculous, man. But let me tell you why it's scary about Monday's rating. While other websites are saying, oh, it rebounded. How the fuck does 2.3, 2.4 million viewers considered a rebound? Does anybody realize, and it wasn't the night after WrestleMania, does anybody realize, because there, there was an episode this year, and it might have been the Raw after WrestleMania, where they did, they did like 4.5 million viewers, all right? But do you realize that they were almost at 50% viewership than they had back in around April, May? They did like 2.1 million viewers last week. Do you know early this year, after WrestleMania, they had episodes in the mid to upper threes in rating? They are almost down 40, 45% from early this year. Did all of a sudden everybody say, we're going to watch it on Hulu instead? I'm going to watch it on YouTube later in the week. You know, we got school. I mean, all of a sudden, nobody's watching. And please... As I talked about on Breakfast Soup, and really, this is a great example of what I say. We discuss a lot of stuff on Breakfast Soup that we don't discuss here, and it's not because we're being spiteful. It's because on Breakfast Soup, our patrons dictate where we want, where our discussions go. And one of the discussions, people requested us to take a look at the effect of Roman Reigns on the ratings before and after the illness. And surprisingly enough, I got into the last episode and I got into 
I think about 10 weeks worth of ratings with Roman Reigns before and after, you know, his, his diagnosis. And he had horrible, horrible ratings while being the focal point on WWE television. And the interesting thing about it, I don't have it in front of me, but what I do remember from that conversation more than anything else is that you can see actual a turn in the ratings where it really started to go downward significantly. Now, I'm not talking a million viewers, but if you actually take three, four, five months worth of raw ratings and look at it down the line, there's a particular spot where you can point to it and say, oh, look, look at that. It went down. Oh, look at that. It stood down. And you know when that was? It was right after the Hell in a Cell match between Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns where there had to be a winner. And it ended up being a no contest because Brock Lesnar interfered in that match. Ripped the K, whatever the fuck he did at that time. I don't even want to remember that shit. Do you remember the fans very vocal in the audience complaining? Do you remember the reaction that we said immediately after that pay-per-view went off the air? That was horrible. How do you have a Hell in a Cell match, hyping it up, Mick Foley to get special guest referee, having fans do nostalgia, young fans that don't even remember or maybe weren't even alive when Foley went off the top of the Hell in a Cell. I mean, you have people, you know, hyping this up as one of the most brutal matches and it ends in a no contest. That, to me, if you want to talk about turning point with things going in the wrong direction, that's the moment for me this year. So you go back to Monday and you say, okay, they got 300,000 more viewers than last week. Once again, last week was the lowest rating in the history. So there's only two places to go. Record low, again, because you can either go down or you go up. Record low, or you, well, actually you could go three ways. Record low, again, or you're, lingering around where you were before, or you had a little bit of a bump. The bump was strictly because of the curiosity factor with Vince. I've actually brought up on this show in the past, when they have hyped up that Brock Lesnar was going to be back on Raw a week or two in advance, the ratings did get a little bump. Fans tuned in out of the curiosity factor. And then when he's gone again, I'm not saying that he's the reason why the ratings are down because he's not on TV. My point is, is that there is... Uh, a number of fans that will tune in if something is hyped in advance and there's a, a good enough curiosity factor involved. So now you say to yourself, wow, they hyped up Vince and they only got 300,000 more viewers. What would have happened if Vince didn't show up on Raw? What would have happened if they didn't shake things up? A lot of us thought that we were having trades on Monday. We thought that either Sasha and Bailey would go to SmackDown and maybe reform the Four Horsewomen, or maybe you would have Becky Lynch possibly traded to Raw and she would start a storyline with Ronda Rousey or intensify it. I know it's happened on social media. God bless all of you that actually believe that there's legitimate heat between the, all of them. I mean, as Kevin and I discussed, I think we discussed it on the TLC recap, to, to think that is ridiculous. It's almost to the point of stupidity. But as you will hear on last week's Breakfast Soup with Mish, we think it's a fabulous thing. These women, especially the women that are dogging on each other on social media, you know, it's fun to sit back and suspension of disbelief, watch that. 
But there are people out there that actually believe that there is major, major heat amongst these women. And as I brought up before, I point back to when Ronda Rousey first came onto the roster. And you had all these reports of all these women angry and not happy and she's not one of us and they're posting these tweets and I remember coming up here and saying to everyone listen everyone they are chummy chummy they are helping her tremendously at the school they are all in support of each other you don't think the women's evolution is not a major sisterhood right now the minute somebody makes a strong enough criticism about any woman on the roster right now, you will have 80% of those women supporting each other, going up there, you know, you tell them, and this is that. The women's roster right now is a tight-knit sisterhood. They truly believe that they are making history, and yes, they are. WWE is giving them a large amount of uh, TV time even though it may not be, is in as far as business goes, the, the smartest thing to do. Now, 10, 20 years from now, we may look back on it and say, you may hear uh, Stephanie McMahon or somebody in the business 20 years from now say, you know, back in uh, the late 2010s, around 2020, you know, it was an unpopular thing to put the women on TV as much as we did, but we knew that in the future, I'm telling you, you probably will see that unless it just really gets to the point where they start dissecting those numbers and they start thinking, well, you know what? Maybe this is a male-dominated sport. Maybe the physicality is something that can only go a certain point with women. I don't know. I don't have that answer. But I will tell you that... You know, the ratings right now are scary, scary low. And trust me, I don't think Fox is happy at all with these piss poor ratings. And as someone said to me earlier on Twitter, I don't remember who it was, he has listened to me rant for well over a decade. And I have been saying for 20 years that the ratings are very, very important. And what have you heard from a lot of people out there? Now, for fans who really don't understand the ratings and the business and advertisers and this and that, I totally understand. I don't I don't include you in on this. When you got people who are supposed to be smart and doing websites and podcasts and blogs and they're saying ratings don't matter, now they're all of a sudden saying ratings matter. Oh, you're finally fucking figuring it out. So trust me, that rating Monday was scary, scary low because if Vince wouldn't have been on and they wouldn't have done that shakeup shit or that perception of a shakeup, what would have those ratings been? And then you got, think about that. You got Christmas Eve next week. Not everybody's going to be watching Raw. I know I'm not. Yes, it's pre-taped and I know the results. So that's another reason why I'm probably not watching. And then you got New Year's Eve the following week. So they would have had four straight weeks of record low ratings. So Vince being on Raw Monday, yeah, went up 300,000 viewers. That doesn't mean that they're going to stick around. They need to do some trades, and I can't believe that they didn't do it on Monday. I'm shocked. But anyway, I want to shout out our some of our winners from our contest on Patreon. This is all in the past seven days. First off, our Breakfast Soup contest winners, Leo Nunez, Brian Bikane, Jason Allen. They all... Uh, sent in some really great content we discussed. We all decided to give, we usually give one prize per show, their choice of either any video or shirt, but we decided to give it to all three. 
because we were, Mish and I were having a hard time trying to figure out who we give the prize to. So there was a debate between those three, so we decided to give it to all three of them. Yes, because of the holidays as well. Um, also, our uh, holiday points contest. This has been something that's been brewing for, what, six months? And these are for our patrons who you know love to take part in the predictions contest. Check this out. We did a contest where we had uh, everybody give their predictions for six straight months. Actually, excuse me, for five straight months. Hell in a Cell, Super Showdown, Evolution, Survivor Series, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. Now, we only calculated their top four scores out of the five because we figured, you know, everybody has a bad week with predictions. So if you had a bad week or maybe you missed the contest altogether, you can afford to have your lowest score dropped. And, you know, we had the winners decided this week and just in time for Christmas. The Clan Malloy was our winner with 164 points. He won today $250. All right, our first runner-up was Zena Berry with 161 points. Zena gets $100. Timothy Place and Steve Spiniak got $50 apiece. Montez Sesley, Jamie Sheen, and Tom Nelson were all runner-ups. They get $25 apiece. So when you realize that our patron is only about 500 you know, and that's sad. I'm not going to lie. It's sad to realize that less than one half of 1% of our listeners are on Patreon. You know, it is a little disappointing because, you know, I'm not, we would never force anybody to sign up, but you know, I, I support Meltzer. I support Russo. I don't check out their stuff every single week, but I stay supportive of them. But the reason why I'm saying the number of people on there is, you know, when you hear me talk about these contests and predictions and giveaways, you're not entering and competing with 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 people. You, you're competing on sometimes less than 100 because not everybody on Patreon takes parts in these contests. It is optional. You know, you're welcome to take part if you want. It's not mandatory. So when you hear these contests and less than 100 people are taking part of it, and you got people winning $250. Today, we announced the winner of uh, the pay-per-view predictions contest. And it was Andrew Monahan. And the prize, and I'm kind of glad that he chose this prize because he lives overseas in Great Britain. So shipping things over there sometimes can be expensive. We've shipped plaques that have cost $80 and $90 for shipping. And he chose an autographed WWE magazine. And what's cool about it is the um, the vendor that I actually have a relationship with that I get these autographs from, they work directly with WWE. Because sometimes when they do autograph signings, what they'll do is they'll take Becky Lynch and they'll put her in a hotel room. And she sits in a hotel room for about four hours and she signs nothing but belts and shirts and this and that. And they take pictures of her signing everything. And she holds things up in the air. And anybody, they have a whole bunch of people. But I have a WWE magazine. There was a famous cover that had The Rock, CM Punk, and John Cena on the cover. And this magazine is autographed by all three. And they're, everything that we put up is legit. So he chose that. So it's very easy for me to ship out. So congrats to him. And also I want to give congratulatories for our runner-ups as we shouted out on Monday as well, Mario from the Barrio, DJ Dells, and Mark G47, they all got the consolation prize. And that is their choice of a video or T-shirt. So gave away a lot of shit today. So everyone out there, consider signing up for a week. I think you will really enjoy it. So other than that, 
don't know if there's really much else that we need to get into. I know there's a couple little drips and drabs that are going around online. You know, somebody's reported that uh, the, the the sheet from Raw that basically showed like who produced what was leaked out today. The big, it was nothing, but I think it's funny to watch people focus on the fact that Jason Jordan was one of the producers for one of the matches. That's something that's been floating around for a while now. Jason Jordan is having a hard time with his recovery, and they have him doing, you know, some production work in the back as, you know, one of the producers of matches. That's regular news. I mean, I don't know why all of a sudden that's a big deal, but... I guess when they see it on paper, it's like, oh, my God, look, Jason Jordan. Anyway, I think that's it. I'm looking online, and uh, other than Chris Jericho announcing that he's bringing back his uh, cruise once again in 2019, I think everybody pretty much expected that. That was a huge success. And, you know, not only did everybody have fun, but money-wise, it was pretty reasonable. The fact that you're going to be on the cruise for that long, have that much entertainment, and you actually have beautiful weather and you're going someplace, that's not bad, man. I wish I could go on something like that for a week. But unfortunately, you know, the office, real life shit going on prevents me from doing so. But for anyone out there that was seriously considering going on a Jericho cruise this year but didn't, you might want to consider 2019 because... Something tells me it's going to be even better because remember, when you first start something, there's a lot of trial and error and you see what works and you try to enhance that. You see what doesn't work and you either try to eliminate it, improve it or change it. So now since he's got one of these cruises under his belt, you know, he knows what he can build on. He knows what he could take away from it. And he knows what attracted people the most. So don't be surprised if the second time around is even bigger and better than the first time. And the first time was a fucking huge success. So with that, I am out of here. Everyone, your next Breakfast with Blossie is not for another two weeks, which, believe it or not, will be January 2nd, 2019. So for those that only listen to the show and nothing else, have a great Christmas. Happy New Year. Enjoy it. Just keep your head up and just keep the faith that... And things will be good in 2019. But you'll be surprised if you have a positive attitude. And I'm not trying to do positivity in the shit. There's a lot of shit that I don't like right now. But I always try to look forward to the better, the good things. So let's hope 2019 is better than 2018. We'll see what happens. For everyone else that checks out the other shows, programming notes, tomorrow the 20th, Kev will be doing Castle Chronicles on Patreon. Uh, I will return with Mish on Breakfast Soup next Wednesday, the 26th, which is the day after Christmas. Kev, who usually does Dark Chronicles every other week on Patreon, he's not doing a Christmas episode because it lands on Christmas Day. Instead, he's going to do Dark Chronicles next Thursday, the 27th. Um, I will return with Kev this Monday for the DTKC show and next Monday for the DTKC show. But keep in mind, this Monday show Next Monday show, they are going to be pre-recorded. I will not be around Christmas Eve. I am spending it with two families, my girl's family and my family. And New Year's Eve, again, I don't expect anyone to be sitting by a computer listening to us rant when the ball drops at midnight, Eastern Standard Time. So 
How we're going to release it, as I said on Monday, is we will release this week's, this coming week's Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show. Uh, normal time, the 24th of December. It'll be posted online for everyone. And uh, I'll probably even stream it live for anybody that wants to tune in and hear it live. And I know some of you are going to say, well, if it's pre-recorded, it's kind of stupid to release it live. Well, you know what? We have a chat room, and there's a lot of people like to chat with each other as they're hearing what we're saying. So it's not necessarily that they want to hear us live, but they would like to interact with fellow fans out there. So we are going to be releasing it just like we normally do our live episodes. However, New Year's Eve, that episode will be posted during the day so you could get it early enough so you don't have to sit on your computer uh, around midnight at that time. So uh, they will both be available on the 24th to 31st, regular as always. So everyone, be well. As always, follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD, the website DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. And again, Patreon.com slash DonTony. We set up a Reddit. I'm not going to lie, I haven't been on it the last week or two because there's so many other things going on. But we launched it to get everybody to sign up and get familiar with it. So now, since people are starting to get familiar with it, we will make that shit active and blow it up. So Reddit, same link, just like Facebook. It's reddit.com slash DTKC show. Everyone, I'm out of here. Be well. Enjoy your Christmas. And I will talk to you all soon. Ciao. Support the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show on Patreon. Get access to thousands of hours of back episodes. Get bonus episodes and exclusive shows. Castle Chronicles. Breakfast Soup. Pay-per-view recaps. DVDs. Beer koozies. Tattoos. Much. And more. Support the show that's entertained millions for over 16 years. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Once again, Patreon.com slash Don Tony.